Hi, thanks so much for listening to Library Overload. This is Susie. And this is Tavia. As usual, don't forget to check out our website where we'll post a list of all the books we talk about today. And that's found at libraryoverload.home.blog. And then, of course, our Instagram. We'll be happy to chat books with you. You'll find us at Library Overload there. Welcome back, everyone. We are glad you are joining us today. Welcome, welcome. It is Buddy Read Day. It's Buddy Read Day. I was and trying when to echo. last we spoke, we had no idea what we were going to be reading, so I will <laughs> reveal it now. We read Memoirs of a Geisha by Arthur Golden. I, first of all, I would love to discuss the fact that this is written by a white man. Yes, I have lots of questions about this. Apparently, he is very prolific in Japanese studies, though. So crazy. Yes. Um, he befriended a woman that was born into the geisha world and got so much information from her. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, like people were like... Yeah, I can't remember her name, but people said, like, if you want to know about Geisha, you need to try to talk to this lady. But be warned, she doesn't really warm up to people. And they ended up becoming friends, oh, which cool. I thought was really cool. Yeah. Well, hmm. another fun fact, Arthur Golden was born in Chattanooga. which So is weird. The most bizarre thing ever. Yeah, I believe he lives in New England now. I believe somewhere up there, yes. Yes, um, but no. So cool that he's from Chattanooga. The whole book is just like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, how about that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because I've never read a ton of Japanese type things. So I'm not super. I I don't. What am I trying to say? Mm. I'm not super aware of the culture. Yeah. I know my husband loves all things Japanese, but I'm not sure if he just really understands the culture. But he loves like samurai and the warrior and stuff like that. Sumo wrestlers. Yes, he does love the sumo. And and my stepdaughter loves all things Japan. She gets the Japanese crates every month with Japanese candy in them. That's so, so cute. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to give a quick synopsis of Memoirs of a Geisha? Yes, we can. But before we dive into that, I did just want to briefly mention that around Wednesday-ish... I believe you text me and you're like, are you, do you think you're going to make it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to make it. It should be fine. And you're like, well, I just really want a book switch under your watch. So I would like to point out it didn't happen. <laughs> yes. Sad for me, but yes, uh, we did make it through the book. Although I will say that Tavia did not finish the book until today, like yes, an hour this ago. True. This is very true. But again, that's better than I have. I have literally showed up at your house to record. And I'm like, I got one chapter left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just felt like I was reading so slowly this week. It's yeah. a dense book. So I felt like even I did too. Like I felt like I was just really reading slowly. At one point, Chris looked at me. He was like, you're not done with that yet. And I was like, bruh. Daniel said that's hundred twice. But I was like, I had 150 pages left. And then I... Sometime later stopped and I was like, yeah, I've got about 70 pages. He's like, 
you're you're just only that far i'm like back up off i know i guess they're used to us just like like just blazing through but no this one took some time and effort not in a bad way no it was dense and there's lots and lots of japanese words that the western tongue struggles with Mm -hmm. and it's it's told in a flowery-esque kind of way like it's not like like a lot but it was definitely like I could just tell the tone of it was different than a normal historical fiction like book it did feel as if it was being told by someone who had trained to be a storyteller yes and it also sometimes felt like it was the person that was telling you this story wasn't their first language wasn't English, which I thought was brilliant story writing. Mm-hmm. Like they would say things that like it was ne- it was never bad grammar or they right. like using incorrect wording. No, it was just they didn't speak like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't speak like someone in the 40s in America would. It was just I keep saying flowery because that's like the only word that I can think of to describe it. But it was just very. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It, I don't was, know what it was definitely different. So before we give a synopsis and get into all of that, what did you think of it? I, I have veering opinions interesting I, I may I had I had to split my opinion in what did I think about the writing and the storytelling and what did I think about the actual story interesting okay um there was a lot of the actual story that made me uncomfortable yes um, yes I, I think so it's that, supposed to that made me just kind of divorce the story from the actual writing I thought the writing, gorgeous. Um, I thought it was a beautifully told story. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, I thought that the writing was just so, so cool. And I kept thinking to myself, like, this is written by a white man (laughs) in America. It it read like it was written by a Japanese woman. Like, you can forget in your mind that it wasn't a real story being told to you by someone that lived it. Yes. So the writing, the storytelling, all of that, magnificent. Mm-hmm. Loved it. The story. It was supposed to make you uncomfortable. I, I know. I know. But it made me uncomfortable that sometimes I wasn't uncomfortable. And so then I would feel uncomfortable. And I don't like that. Yeah. What do you what think is... you're going to rate it? I can't decide. I have been teetering between three and a half and four. I really enjoyed it. I think yeah. it evoked things in me that it was supposed to, mm-hmm. um, that we'll get into in just a minute. But I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I will not read it again, but it was good. So same, same. I was, I was teetering between three and four stars because I genuinely thought the writing and the storytelling was beautiful. But number one, I probably won't ever read this again. And number two, just the the story itself and the ages of characters 
made me really uncomfortable. But yeah. even more than that, like sometimes I would find myself really happy for someone and I'm like, no, that's wrong. Like, yeah. And well, I here's just, what it, I told Daniel a few minutes ago when he was asking me what I thought of it, because this is one of the few books he's read. And he, I'm I sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So when we picked this, he said, I'm not sure you're going to like it. It's very subjugating to women. It's very, right. you know, anti everything that you stand for in life. Right. Um, and I said, after love in the time of cholera, I don't trust you. So, <laughs> but we were talking about it a few minutes ago after I had finished it. And I said, the thing is, you cannot look at what has happened in the past in a Japanese Eastern culture that you do not understand. You cannot look at this book with Western eyes and understand it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of helps guide you through some of the story and, and some of the time period, some of the stuff that happened and the ages and stuff mm -hmm. and the relationships, because we do not understand that culture. And I don't think that we ever could in a, you know, modern setting with the, in the West. I just don't mm -hmm. think that our brains are wired to understand the, the way that that culture exists. Yeah. I, I will discuss it further when I'm allowed to speak freely. Okay. Um, Let's do because... the synopsis then. Okay. So this is about the story of Chio. And they said it really fast. Chio. So it was like three letters. Um, and she's about, she's born into a very poor fishing village. Her mom is sick. Her dad is old. He had actually a previous family that we find out about pretty early on. So he's an older person and kind of sickly. And through some events that happen, she is basically taken from her home and taken to Kyoto and sold essentially, to an Okia, which is where they train geisha. And she's about nine when she gets there. And this is her story of growing up, of becoming geisha, and her life. And it's set on the backdrop of the Great Depression, which didn't just affect the United States. Mm -hmm. which, um, and then World War II, of course, mm. Japan was our enemy. Mm -hmm. And then into the 50s. And I thought it was just really cool the, the way it started was from a translator transcribing her story. Oh, that was mm -hmm. kind of cool. So. That was cool. But yeah, it's it's Chio's story about being geisha. Yeah. I, um, so first, right off the bat, my biggest issue with this and kind of, I guess, my feelings about the book were the fact that, and I understand your point, like, we can't look at it with Western eyes. It's a completely different culture, different times. I get it. But essentially, this poor child was trafficked, mm -hmm. but with her father's permission. And all because, I guess, he was older and her mother was dying. And, and they were poor. So, yeah. Like, so, I just, so, yeah, essentially, this little girl was trafficked. And, of course, she hates her life there because, you know, she's away from her family, of course. And um, she really doesn't know for quite some time what happened to her family. She doesn't know if her mom or dad are still alive or, you know, what's going on. And that's very sad. 
it is sad. And so you're kind of like you're wanting her to become geisha because that's such a revered person in in that culture. And geisha are so trained and so beautiful and so traditional. And so it's like, oh, yes, this sounds wonderful. You'll you'll be rich. You'll have all this. But then, like, you keep kind of forgetting, like, oh, it's, but it's, she didn't choose this for herself. Like, and so I just, I kept going back and forth because, like, I would be excited, like, oh, my gosh, she's actually becoming geisha. But then it's like, oh, mm. Yeah, I don't like it, and it was just it. I mean, it, I I didn't find that part of it too much different from other stuff that I've read about, you know, poor peasants being sold to brothels and things like that. Like it was, it wasn't a, a ton different. So mm-hmm. that part of it didn't seem that, you know, foreign to me because that happened a lot, especially back then. And see, I think this is why I don't read a lot of historical fiction, because a lot of it makes me uncomfortable. And that's not the type of fun, uncomfortable for me. Yeah, I get that. Um, that makes sense. And so, yeah. So, like, maybe I should I should change my... When I say I don't love historical fiction, I really need to kind of change that to maybe... I only like very specific kinds of historical fiction. I don't, I don't want to follow someone in sadness. Yeah. And I, this evokes sadness and like melancholy from the beginning. Like I, mm-hmm. I just felt that sort of melancholy atmosphere the whole time I was reading it, which I thought yeah. was brilliant writing to be able to evoke that in me the whole time. And it's a big book. It's like 430 pages or so. Oh yeah. Like I'll, I'll sing it's, it's writing prizes all damn day Mm -hmm. writing was beautiful Mm -hmm. um just the story in itself like me and we'll get into spoilers but me personally I never found happiness in it Mm -hmm. there wasn't and it just and I don't I don't like that I need someone to at least end up happy yeah I don't want to just read a crap fest Mm-hmm. That just happens to someone. I don't, yeah. it makes it, ugh. Sometimes that's real life, though. I think sometimes you need those things sprinkled in with all of the happy endings that you read. Just to make sure you're aware of what a treat it is of what else you're reading. Girl, I read true crime. <laughs> I know. It is interesting that you read a lot of true crime, but you have issues with some of the uncomfortable stuff that does come up in historical fiction. I guess because when it comes to true crime, I'm not in it for the gore and the sadness. I'm in it for how were the bad guys caught? Like, that's yeah. still that a happy sense. ending because yeah. bad guys were put away. Like, that's that's a win in my book. Yes, people died, but like you say, reality is people die all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're going to be murdered, I want, you know, I want someone to yeah. catch them. Um, maybe, maybe it's just... I don't know, I have a different perspective because I've read history so much. But, right. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned, but I have a degree in history. So I majored in history. And I had many professors that taught us about looking at historical text within the structure of the historical mores at the time. And not mm-hmm. with, like, you can't look at what's happening in the 1700s and judge it 
by 2020 standards. It doesn't right. make sense that way. So I've had a lot of practice in reading that way. And I think maybe that makes a difference. It most definitely does. Because there were points where I had to remind myself, like, Susie, this is, this is how it was in the 30s in Japan. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how it was. Like, um, so I kept having to remind myself. And that very well could be a big part of my issue. It's just I... I couldn't divorce myself from my 2020 mindset to mm-hmm. like get into that. Notch um, of practice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, like storytelling, all A's across the board, five stars. Man, there um, were some quotes in there that took my breath away that I thought were just gorgeous. Like, yeah. especially towards the end. And I won't get into them now because it's spoilery, but oh, it's like, I want to say, I want to have a wedding again so I can say that again. Like, <laughs> You know, I want to redo my vows so I could say these new things. That's so funny. My original vows had Pride and Prejudice quoted. My my vows had Clockwork Princess. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I quoted Clockwork Princess by uh, um, Cassandra Clare. I was like, what are you having trouble with? Cassandra Clare, I'm there. I got it. Um, so yeah, we're we're both not book nerds at all. We definitely didn't have books involved in our wedding vows. <laughs> but yes, so, this book has been around for a while, so spoilers are going to be on you guys. <laughs> you haven't read it yet because it's—I mean, the movie. It's a book. It's a movie. Yes, and from what I remember, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie. But from what I remember. I'm pretty sure it's a pretty good adaptation of it. I have not seen the movie. I have been saving myself. Ooh. I want now I after reading it. Knowing zero about the story whatsoever. Oh, see, I have seen it. But again, like probably in 2005. But yeah, I, I did kind of like going into it a little bit knowing what was going to happen. I don't. I'm trying to remember if. The depression was featured as heavily in the movie as it was in the book. Um, I can't remember that. I thought the war would have been featured more than it was. And it was really quite later on towards the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe just in that part of where they were, it just was untouched by the war until it got really, really bad. Yeah. I mean, that's what they had mentioned at that point. But, you know. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I... I, I enjoyed the, the movie as well, and I would like to watch it again soon now that I've, I've just read it. Yeah, I, I, we're going to hopefully watch it soon because um, it's one of Daniel's favorites. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm sure he won't be mad about you wanting to watch it. So He has a geisha tattooed on his arm. I mean, that's how much he loves this stuff. So, uh, But he did not. He said the book was okay, but he really thought that I would not care for the subjugation of women that happened. Yeah, well, tell him you feel free to tell him that I was more uncomfortable with it than you were. I just think I, I read it differently. I yeah, don't know. I know, and like it, it, I think it really. I think you're right. It really just boils down to this is the kind of stuff that you enjoy reading, and not I. Makes sense. I am glad that you are at least, and you at least enjoyed it enough to be able to say that it was a victory. For a buddy read pick, like you, you know. Oh you yeah. Hate it. We didn't oh, have to no. pay, you know. Mm-mm. I definitely did not hate it at all. 
thoroughly enjoyed it. Very glad I finally read it. Yes, um, me too. It's been sitting on my shelf forever. Same. I can't even remember when I got it. That's how long I've had it. I've even let people borrow it and still haven't, like, hadn't read it. So I am glad to knock it off my list. Yes. It is an international bestseller. Blah, 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 blah. All that stuff. Classic accolades. You know, all of the stuff. Sure, sure, sure. It's fine. Well, do we want to get into any spoilers? Yes, spoilers. You have been uh, warned. There is one thing that I wanted to mention before we get into the spoilers. I'm sorry. Fine. But going back to the writing style, the only thing that bugged me through the whole book was how many times he used the phrase at length. It bugged mm. me incessantly. Like, it was a lot. How funny. Normally, that kind of stuff, I'll catch on to it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get that. It was the first thing I wrote on my notes. <laughs> At length. Like, it was, it was used, like, on some pages, like, three times on one page. Like, wow. stop. Pick a That's new phrase. funny. Normally, that kind of stuff, I'll, I'll catch it. Yeah. And it'll bug the hell out of me, the whole book. Mm-hmm. Totally missed that. I picked up on it early, and then every time it happened, it was like, but... It's really the only fault I have. Well, one of the only faults I have. (laughs) I read a book one time where I swear to God, every single page, this person said, I resent that. (laughs) And I was like, girl, you you need to resent some stuff. You resent less. Resent less, please. (laughs) Oh, my God. It drove me bananas. Like, I legit stopped reading a series because she wouldn't quit it. Oh, wow. Like, and it wasn't like a big series. It was like a like one of the Amazon self-published mm-hmm. things. I was in it for the smut. Let's be serious. <laughs> but no, I was like, I'm sorry, girl. I got to I got to move on. You resent too many things. <laughs> smut can be dangerous because it can. There has to be a very fine balance between good writing, good smut, and a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to have a plot in there. Mhm. Mhm. All right, I'm ready to talk about spoilers. Okay, spoilers, you've been warned. I need to make a spoiler song. Here come the spoilers. That was good. That's what we're going to make it. (laughs) We're going to do that every Buddy Read episode now. But I'll probably forget that by the next (laughs) We'll record it. We'll play it like we do our theme song. (laughs) All right. Okay. It could be some sort of Jaws thing, like... Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> okay. All right. That girl was so young. She was. That poor real baby good. was so young. She, she was, was 14. She was snatched up pretty quick. That poor baby, that whole time, I was like, you're 14. And then I kept thinking of. What I was doing at 14, and it was not letting an eel into my cave. That and... was hysterical. Can we just talk about the sex metaphor? Because that was hysterical. That's they in the have... movie. That's in the movie. <laughs> like, I vividly remember being, so 2005, I would have been 15, 16. Oh. And I, yeah. Um, and I remember just cackling at that metaphor. Because, like, 
I was young and dumb, and I was like, and yeah. eel, ew. <laughs> For those of you who haven't figured it out yet, a man has an eel who is, and the eel is constantly looking for a cave. But it needs <sighs> to be a cave that no other man has been in. Otherwise, the eel loses interest. <laughs> like, first of all, oh, stop it. <laughs> I was Second of all, when I read that. Yeah, that was in the movie, um, so I knew that was, I, I was hoping that that would be in the book, because it was yeah. just so ridiculous. Show enough was. A large but, chunk of that was. Disgusting. Chio. Well, yeah, Chio, the, a large chunk of the story revolves around the selling of her virginity. And so that's Disgusting. what we're talking about. I hate it. Mizage, and she was only 14, and she earned, I hate like, it. 11,000 yen, which is crazy. It was like the highest virginity sale of all time. They were like excited about it. (laughs) Some people were, but um, the metaphor was really funny. That doctor, I want to set him on fire. Yeah, I did. I was so, so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with that whole thing. Like, mm -mm. like, I don't even want to mention. Yeah. I want to have the record reflect that in a lot of my research for geisha, that did not happen with everyone. Um, Most geisha are just entertainers. Very few of them enter into any type of virginity selling or sex work or anything like that. Very, very, very few of them. Do, um, was the Donna? Donna. Donna, was that a thing? Um, it, it can be, but it's not always a sexual thing. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I hated that. And it was whole... all outlawed in, um, 1958. The oh, wow. selling of the virginity and the, um, sexual relationships part of the geishas was all, and prostitution in China, or Japan, was all outlawed in 1958. Interesting. But the story here is about the very poorest of those at the time that did not have another option. Mm-hmm. And so that was a way to survive, basically. And so when she became old enough, they sold her virginity. And and they used that to pay off all the debts that she had accumulated for her training, her raising, her schooling, her clothing... All of it. Basically, like almost like a brothel esque situation. The Okia has a mother, and she takes in the child. She actually bought Chio when she was younger, and paid the guy that sold her. So then, at that point, she thinks of it as an investment, and she pays for all of her extensive schooling and all of this stuff, and gives her room and board. And then, when she's old enough, all of the money she makes as a geisha then goes back to the Okia. It's not actually even hers at all. Mm-hmm. She just gets to live in comfort and be alive. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, you win a life. Mm. So I thought of it very much like a brothel. Yeah. But that is not at all how most of them operated. It may have been in the 30s, but mm-hmm. it's definitely not anymore. Because you know there's still geisha in Japan, but it's definitely not how they operate now and it's not how the vast majority of them operated because there was also prostitutes in Mm -hmm. japan 
And right. They were a but totally they different. were they were looked down upon. Like there were a few geisha that lost their way, were kicked out, things like things happened, and they yeah. became prostitutes, and they were looked down on. Right. Uh, they were trash. Mm-hmm. Like compared to the geisha who are, you know, just magnificent and beautifully styled and all of this. Yeah. And they don't do that. Trained and cultured. Yeah. And basically yeah. a high class courtesan type thing is what she became. And when she took her geisha name, she took Sayuri. Mm-hmm. And she likens it in the story to... Like being the mistress of a billionaire or whatever, you know, being a right. Woman. So it's right. not, you know, she says it's not any different mm-hmm. essentially than that. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like what sugar babies are now, except without all the culture to them. Right. Right. But yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I had a I had a lot of issues with. Okay, let's back up a little bit though. Can we talk about the day? That Chio meets the chairman. I believe she was 12. Yes, she was. She was 12. And so I understand. I understood her perspective. Kind of seeing this this very handsome man. And he made her smile. He made her feel beautiful. He noticed her when nobody else really was. Yes. So I understand her fascination with him. I do not understand his. I'm not so certain his 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 original concern I think was for her safety and well-being. I don't think it became a sexual type thing until later on when she was old enough. Uh-huh. But I you know, I can't be certain of that cuz we don't know. We don't know his perspective. If- I think he's dirty. If he's attracted to a 12-year-old, we definitely have problems here. So, you know. I mean, just, I guess, I guess I keep going back to thinking, like, okay, so you, you want to protect her. So you want her to go into this world where she's going to sell her virginity and possibly have someone have her like a kept woman, whereas she does have to have sex with someone like it's just I don't I don't get it I don't I don't understand the thought process if you think she's lovely and you want to save her get her the hell out of there like right, but at what what options were available her girl life- he has enough money to get a geisha he can put her in boarding school or something adopt her I don't know right but I feel like that he helped her. Like one of the discussion questions I read was, would her life have been any better had she not been sold? And I think that it would not have been. I think that there were so few options for women, and like you had to have a man supporting you. And she would have been poor, and she would have had a very big struggle. She would have been an orphan early on, and with no money, no patronage. I think that it would still have been a really rough life. So I think him kind of guiding her in a path she was already on and kind of helping her a little bit was a kindness. I really did see it that way. I didn't see it as like, you know, he had any other real options. I, my answer to that question would be think back on how many times 
she wonders about where her sister is. Think about how many times she wonders about her home village. Like, she keeps thinking about it. And so, of course, she and she even mentions many times, like, she was sold into slavery. You're sometimes treated well, mm-hmm. but a slave nonetheless. And so I think that she would have been better off, poor, but in charge of her own life as much as a woman in that era in Japan could have been. Which is not not very much at all. I mean, I feel like it's one type of slavery versus another, honestly. Yeah. I don't think that it was the right choice. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying I understand it. I understand that there was a limited number of choices. And when she meets the chairman, he's already married. So, you know. Girl, I don't know why I didn't know that. <laughs> Straight up, 100% didn't know it until the end. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, because blah, 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 his wife. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Lost, like literally yelled. I was like, all this shit, he's old as hell, you're young as hell, and then he's married. Like, I just lost but it's, my again, mind. It's the geisha culture. In the the Eastern culture of, you know, I mean, monogamy is a very Western concept. So I think that it's just not something that we could understand. I was real mad about it. I was real salty about it. Because you go through all this shit. He -hmm. puts you in this world to finally become a geisha. You finally have discussed your feelings for each other. And you're finally gonna be together and then he's married (laughs) just like one happy thing one thing right but he did love her i don't care he could have married her but the the quote i was talking about is every step i have taken in my life has led me towards you or has been towards you i thought that was just beautiful yeah, it sure it it would have been beautiful if she, if she hadn't been twelve when they were when they met and if he was married if he wasn't married, it would be beautiful. But it's garbage. Do you so you think there is no happy ending, no redemptive, no happiness at the end of her life? No, um, she has a child and is basically we don't know that. she's ambiguous about it. Okay, so she has a child. Um, and has to leave, not only has to leave her, how did you pronounce the Okia? Okia. She has, she's forced out of her Okia. Then she's forced out of the city. And then eventually it's like, oh, I've had his son, his only son. And it's screwing up the fact that he's trying to have us bring a son-in-law into the world like the family so she has to leave the freaking country because she loves him that's why he had the single tear all i one single single man tear tear. um okay (laughs) but i'm just telling you it's slavery 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 sacrifice 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 i love him he's married i love him i have his son i have to leave like where what does she get what does she get out of it? Nothing. I disagree. She got his affection, which she had wanted. She but got... she only gets it part-time. Right, but that's all she was ever going to get. 
She never dreamed of marrying him. She only ever dreamed of him becoming her Donna. Because that life is garbage. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying I understand it. I, I understand it. the choices that were made. I hate I all of the choices. I want new choices. I, I want new choices as well, but that's not how the world works. I said, I wrote down here, what cost did she pay for the happiness that she did have at the end of her life? Do her you life? think that the suffering early in her life made up for the way that she treated Nobu and Pumpkin? I was really sad about Nobu. And again, that made me incredibly uncomfortable that I was sad about Nobu. Um, I personally feel like she did no wrong to Pumpkin. And I think Pumpkin was being a turd. I I think she's kind of right when she says Pumpkin had been poisoned a bit by Hatsumomo. Hatsumomo. Mm-hmm. I completely feel like I that was... that lady from the beginning. Ooh, My God. Lord, what a monster. What a monster. Yeah. Um, I was yeah, very she pleased was... she got her comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Although I wish it had been more. She was kind of the devil. She um, was really, I mean, she was really bad. Yeah. Um, I don't even like kids, but I would never treat a child like that. So. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Hatsumo, Hatsumomo was the devil. And poor Pumpkin had to be her little sister. And I and felt so badly for her. Pumpkin did not have any choices in her life either. Like, she did I feel like Sayuri or Chio felt like Pumpkin sort of betrayed her by going with Hatsumomo, but she mm. really didn't have a choice. I don't feel like she felt like, I don't feel like Chio felt betrayed. I think that Chio understood that Pumpkin had no options. But she felt like their, she lost their, her friendship. Yeah, they definitely lost their friendship because of it, but I don't think she ever thought it was Pumpkin's doing. Um, They would have been totally fine had Hatsumomo not been in the picture at all. Like, they would have grown up BFFs. I feel like she got the only ending that she could possibly have gotten that would have had any happiness in it. Like, there was No. no other route for her. No, there were there were geisha that were spoken about that retired and got married and had a family and he was already married. Kill his wife. So you're you're advocating murder over adultery. <laughs> so I just want to I make just, that distinction clear. I just, I just had such an issue with like where she's wanted this for so long and she only gets half of it. Like, I just, it, I, you can't call that a happy ending. No, not really, but you can call it the ending, the only option for any amount of happiness she was ever going to have. It was either this or no happiness. So take half of it, basically. I just, I don't, I don't like that kind of option. Well, let's look into some discussion questions. Fine. Many people in the West think that geisha are simply prostitutes. After reading this book, do you feel as geisha of Xi'an as prostitutes? I don't. There was so much tradition and culture kind of pounded into them. 
um, I would have, uh, I would have loved to have, uh, learned a little more about that. Like the tea ceremonies that she spoke so mm-hmm. much about how much she thoroughly en- enjoyed them. Um, the artisticness that was pounded into them. And of the course, dance. yeah, the dancing, the musical, and then of course the kimonos that they were to wear, like her describing their beauty and things like that. Like I was just like, what a vivid mm-hmm. world that they have. Um, so no, I, and I never thought that geisha were prostitutes. I didn't either, but apparently that's a big misconception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, to me, like even before reading this, to me, whenever I heard geisha mentioned, it was more of the tradition and the, like the the beautiful um, world that they have kind of cultivated, and then of course. Like I just, I just considered Geisha kind of there as in like the most simplistic term that I can use, kind of like hosts. Yeah. Like they were there to make people Hostess. at a party yeah, be, be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Entertainers. Thank you. Sorts. Yes. I know that it, in my brain, my sister was in a school play when she was in third or fourth grade where she dressed as a Geisha. Oh my, and my mom my mom did like the full makeup she had the kimono and everything and I can't imagine my mom having let my sister dress up like that if she had even an inkling that a geisha was a prostitute so that's, that's funny it never occurred to me that that would have been the case hey Tavia's mom did you <laughs> did you know that <laughs> no I think she would probably be floored when she hears this episode to think that people think that that <laughs> is so her little funny. daughter was dressed up as that but she was really I, cute. I was going to say, I bet she was totally cute. But they did like a history kind of like around the world. Every kid was a different country. Um, and Andrea had gotten Japan. And so she was that's, a little girl. That's so cute. But yeah, so that, that, that thought never entered my mind. <laughs> okay, question number two. The afternoon when I met Mr. Tanaka Ichiro, says Sayuri, really was the best and worst of my life. Is Mr. Tanaka purely motivated by the money he will make from selling Chio to Miss Nita, or is he thinking of Chio's future when he implies that he's her friend in the letter? I, I, I feel like you already know my feelings on this, so you go ahead. I, I think he thinks he's doing a good thing, but that doesn't necessarily make it a good thing. Like, lots of people do things that they think are justified and that they think are, you know, very charitable or, like, that they're being such this wonderful person when they're really Mm -hmm. kind of hurting other people and they're doing it for selfish reasons. Mm -hmm. I I think that that's kind of what happened here. I wonder how much money he got out of the deal and how much, how little he gave her father. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know about that at all. In that same vein, what do you think she means by it being the best day and the worst day of her life? Um, I, I think it goes along with what you've kind of been saying this whole time is like it got her out of one bad situation into a different kind of bad situation, maybe a little less bad, depending on your thoughts on it. But yeah, it was horrible because it took her away from family and she was a slave. 
but it was great because it got her out of the extreme poverty that she would have been stuck in forever. She did not have to deal as severely with the effects of the depression or the effects of the war that other people had to deal with. I think that makes it more on the positive side than the negative side. Mm. So I think that could be one way to view it. Plus she did live her whole life after she met the chairman trying to become, you know, his to be in love with him. And Mm -hmm. she got that. She got exactly what she wanted. And so I think that makes it the best day in her mind. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Nobu for a moment. Okay. I also want to talk about Satsu. Her sister? Mm-hmm. Okay. I just um, wanted to ask if you blamed her sister at all for leaving her. Nah. I kind of I don't. I kind of feel like she should have tried a little harder to get her sister. I mean, her but Satsu was not that much older though she was 14 i think yeah like i mean she was in she was in a worse hell than chia was and she had to get out and i am very glad that she was able to get out and i wish we could have figured out what happened Mm -hmm. yeah i'm glad that she went back and she ran away with the boy that she was in love with and i would like to have followed that story a little bit more but Mm -hmm. I, i didn't blame her or like think too harshly of her. I just I thought mm, maybe you could have put a little bit more effort into it. But she's a kid. She did, she did the best that she could do. Yeah, yeah. She was a kid, and at that point, she was a prostitute, like forced into it mm-hmm. at fourteen. So like, mm-mm, I don't fault her at all for her decisions. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, okay, no, no boo. boo. I don't even know where to begin with him because from the get-go, I personally felt like he was her friend. Mm -hmm. I feel like he was just a genuine friend. Mm -hmm. And then she gets older, she becomes geisha, um, and their, their little friendship continues. And I really liked them as friends. And then... He's like, oh, and BT Dubs, I'm gonna be your Donna, and it's just like, oh, you had to just yeah. mess it up. Had he been able to continue on in a friend capacity, I think I would have felt more hurt by the wrongs that she did to him. Mm-hmm. But knowing that that's not what he wanted, that he felt like she owed him something for mm-hmm. all of his kindness. You know, like, but I don't you think sleep with me because I gave all this to you. Like, you know, but going back on your words, that's geisha. That's, I, I agree. Like, that's just, uh, I'm but just I saying, guess, I felt less guilty about how she treated him knowing mm-hmm. that. Yeah, um, I do, I do understand what you're saying just because at the end of the day, when he is like, I am now putting in for to become your donna it's just like i couldn't have just been a friend like i couldn't have just been like we couldn't have just had this friendship like it, there were it 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 sullies it it's like it gives that whole friendship that that foundation that they had it's it just it messes everything up and i think I think she did not have not one true, genuine friend. 
No. I think that even Mameha had something invested in her. Of like course. Her she wanted to win a bet. Yeah. Right. Her motives were not pure in seeking the attention. Like, sh- nobody loved her for her. And that's one of her complaints with Nobu was that he didn't really know her. Yeah. He kept saying he knew her, but he didn't. He didn't even right. know where she was from. You know, Right. Like, she been- had to always be formal with him. And she, like, it. she could never just be who she was. And I think because of that, she didn't really know who she was. So she didn't have any other thoughts other than this man, when I was 12 years old, was kind to me. So I must find him and be happy with him. And it's just, I I don't know. It just, it just yeah. bought, it, it just hurts me so much that she just, she never had a friend. She could never laugh. She could never just be just a kid. That thought just occurred to me when you were talking about Nobu's friendship, that she did not have not one single person that was purely her friend in her life. And I think that friendships are so important and keep you going. And she never once had that. And that makes me sad. Yeah. Like, that's why I say when, like, when I say this whole book is just crap fest on top of crap fest, I don't mean the writing. I just mean, like, her life is just garbage. It was nonstop. Yeah, it was one terrible obstacle after another. And then she says that at one point that she kept waiting for the next obstacle she was going to have to overcome. Like, that's rough. Yeah. But you hit on something that is when one of the discussion questions, and it says, as the older Sayuri narrates her story, it almost seems as though she presents Chiyo and Sayuri as two different people. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? And what ways do you think they're similar and different? Oh, yeah. Um, I totally get that, uh, and, and agree with it just because Chio was in as much innocence as she could have had. That was her innocent childhood. As soon as she had to sell her poor virginity, um, and become true geisha, that's when that innocence and that childhood was gone. As little of a childhood as she had. like. And I also yes. think that from the moment she becomes geisha, she is putting on an act. So that is like her stage identity. She's never again her own self. Yeah. I think she loses everything about Chio at that point. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, she could never just smile at a guy she liked. She could never just have a girl's night and chit chat and laugh and nah, nothing. She had no one to confide in. She had no one to like, you know, no one that's motives were pure in regards to her companionship. And that's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That part I, 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 I did not like at all. We have very conflicting opinions about the book. Yes. But not as a work of art. No. Work of art, it is beautiful. Yeah, and I'll keep saying this. I thought the storytelling and the writing were magnificent. But the story itself, Mm -hmm. yeah. I think I am going to have to go down to three stars now that I've talked it out. I wonder in my brain. brain, (laughs) Tell me what your brain wonder. If Serena had been written better, would we have enjoyed it? Because, like, no. this is a sad story. 
And Serena was kind of like a garbage story. But it wasn't, this this was written so well that it didn't feel the same. Well, there are people to root for in Memoirs of a Geisha. Whereas in Serena, everyone is garbage. This is true. And and Sayuri Shio, ultimately at the end of the day, is a good person. Mm-hmm. She's not a garbage person. So. She is not. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it three stars after talking it out. I don't know if we've mentioned this, but Tavia and I, when our when we get to our buddy reads, we don't we do not talk to each other at the book no. at up about the book at all until we press record. Like we save it all for you guys. Yes. So we, I have been we stewing hide our ratings too on yes. Goodreads. We don't rate it until after we've nope. recorded the episode. So I can't know if Susie hates it immediately until we talk <laughs> it out. I know. Most of the time. Okay, almost every book, every buddy read, um, one of us will finish before the other, and all we'll say is, I have thoughts. Like, every time. Every yeah. time. Let me, what did like, say to me this time? Hang on, let me see. <laughs> I have very mixed feelings about this book. That's all you said. That was it. I was like, oh yeah, are you going to share your feelings? And you said, no, I'm going to save them. And I was like, I'm still pondering. Yes, I had, I just, I, I had to say something, but I wasn't allowed to say anything, but I had to say something. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, literally every month, one of us will finish first and we'll go, I have thoughts. And it's like, all right, we'll talk about them in a couple of days. Which is different because a lot of times when we read books together, we live text as we're oh, reading. Oh yeah. Blowing uh, up each other's phone, which is the most fun way to read is. a book. So this is so like, I feel so antsy yes. to tell you yes. my feelings. Like, get, get it, there. get it out of me, get it away. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like I'm thinking about this book for some time and just being yeah. like, hmm, oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay, I yeah. feel that way about it now. I think it's yeah. gonna be, it's gonna be a thinker. Yeah, like, after talking about it now, like, I, I feel better about my feelings. Um, That's good. But, no, like, I'll I'll legit tell friends. I'm like, here, borrow this book, and please text me while you're reading. Tell me mm-hmm. all your thoughts. I'm not lying. <laughs> Blow up my phone. Like, I yep. love it. <sighs> Do you have any idea what you'll pick for your next read, Buddy Reed? I'm, I'm thinking some weird stuff again. I'm, I'm. I saw a book, but it just recently came out a few months ago, and I'm trying to decide whether or not I like us to read new books mm-hmm. as Buddy Reads, just because we do do spoilers, and I don't, like, I don't want anybody to miss out on an episode because we're spoiling a book that just came out a few months ago, but it's a book about Bigfoot. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. <laughs> so I've got, I've got some, I've got some thoughts. If you make me read Bigfoot, I for 100% know what I'm picking for my next buddy read. <laughs> but what if you love Bigfoot? I'm just saying. I know, in my brain. That's fine. I have told you so many times, pick what you want to pick. I made you read about octopuses. I know, I but I am a about people vampires. pleaser at heart. Well, so am I, but this is books. And I don't want to change books on my watch. I've got a good thing going here. You're going to mess up eventually. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. One of these days, you're going to mess it up. Here, man. 
you know, Wonderful. and as soon as you, as soon as you mess up, you know what I'm going to do? Never going to be you... president now. <laughs> I was she thinking, never going to be president now. You messed it up. You're stupid. <laughs> I'll do that too. But then I'm also going to Thomas Jefferson, yo ass. <laughs> she never going to be president now. Okay. So we are. Super duper, super duper excited about next are, episode. Are you excited? I, I am. I am. I don't have any other words. My brain is done for the day. <laughs> but this uh, this coming up episode has such a funny origin story. Yes. It's the most bizarre thing that has ever happened to me in my whole life. <laughs> in all of my many moons on this <laughs> earth. It's just the wildest thing. Like, I just can't get over it. I keep thinking about how it's just, had I done one single thing differently, this would not have happened. And it was it was just crazy. So we are changing up formats. Next week will not be what we've been reading. We're going to have a special guest on next week, and then we're going to switch it up and do what we've been reading after that. So next week, we are going to be discussing the book, Finding Gobi, and this is by Craig Borlase and Dion Leonard. Um, it's mostly it's by Dion Leonard. He's the man who the story is about, and so he will be Skype interviewing with us next week, and we are going to have a chat with the amazing person that is Dion Leonard. So. Very- um, so if you want to look them up, Gobi is this precious little dog. That... Biscuit. <laughs> so <laughs> Gobi is this precious little biscuit dog that Dion just happened to meet in the Gobi Desert. Mm-hmm. And she follows him for 70 kilometers or 70 miles. I can't remember which one it is. Through the Gobi Desert. She just goes up to him and picks him and is like, I am yours now. And just yeah. follows him. And he's on this ultra marathon race. And she just follows him. And then it's about the process of, you know, him kind of falling in love with her and, and all of that. So, Yeah. So, Tavia, please tell them how you met. It's <laughs> I, I cannot get over it. It's just the wildest thing. So, many, many weeks ago... I took a week off of work and was on vacation and took that time to go out and do some shooting of books that I was going to be reading upcoming. So I'd have those photos saved for the Instagram. pictures, not. I didn't, I didn't fire bullets at the. Thank you. I was taking photographs (laughs) of the novels that we will be discussing upcoming. So I could have those stored away and not have to take them like the time up it's like oh Mm -hmm. well I know I'm going to be reading this this and this let me go take some pictures of it so I was at the Chickamauga battlefield which is a civil war battlefield that's now a park here in Chattanooga Georgia area it's north Georgia we're right on the border there and I am taking this picture of this book and this dog comes by and barks like crazy at me like just barking 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 so I turned around and I see this lady standing there with this cute little tiny dog. And I was like, oh my goodness, you must not be a book fan. 
And she's like, oh, she is a book fan. She's just mad you're not reading her book. And then come to find out, I just met Gobi in Chickamauga, <laughs> in the battlefield. And so she and I talk and she tells me about the book. She happens to have a copy in the car and gives it to me. Turns out I already had it on my to-be-read list for our animal episode that we did many moons ago, but I was afraid it would be sad, so I didn't read it. But having met Gobi, I knew that it was going to be okay. (laughs) So I am beyond excited to have Dion and Gobi on with us next week. It's going to be so much fun. Hope you guys enjoy it as much as we are going to. Yes. And... Just to kind of give you more information about why it's so weird, Dion and his wife, Lucia, are from Australia, originally. He found Gobi in China. At the time, he was living in Edinburgh, Scotland. And somehow, I bumped into him, or I bumped into her at a park in Chattanooga, like in in North Georgia. (laughs) Like, how do these things add up? (laughs) Yeah, so weird. Yes, but I'm very, very excited about it. (laughs) And I hope that you guys will be just as excited. Yes, very exciting stuff in the works. Our friend of the podcast, RJ, uh, who is the author that we had on last year with his very first book, uh, his sophomore novel just came out. I'm very excited about that, too. Yes, I can't wait to get my hands on it. We've already been talking to him. We're going to have him back on in a few weeks. So just exciting stuff coming up. And that book, his sophomore book, just came out on August 11th. So you can already grab your hands. Grab your hands? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you can already get your hands on it and read it. And then you'll have read it when we chat with him. So, yeah, if you want to get caught up. So next week is Finding Gobi. Please check that out. That'll be so fun to read and then listen to an interview. And then R.J. Jacobs' newest book, Somewhere in the Dark, is now out on um, hardcover. Very exciting stuff. Can't wait for the next few episodes. Yeah, very, very exciting stuff coming up. So hope you guys stay tuned. All right, guys. Happy reading. Bye. Bye.